Hello everyone, this is Myra with Halipuli's Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga Podcast. In 2021, we're dedicating this podcast to mental health. We'll talk about what true mental health feels like and how the practices of Ayurveda and yoga can support you to feel well in your mind as you experience all that life has to offer. Last year offered an incredible range of experiences, didn't it? (laughs) It was unpredictable, sometimes frustrating, and sometimes scary. And limitations, constrictions, loss, I think these are all hallmarks of the year. But there were also many opportunities. Many people spent their time differently, things slowed down, and daily life was reimagined. My life certainly changed as I was in Australia when New Zealand decided to close their borders. Because I'd not been living there one year and only had a work visa, I have not been allowed to return to New Zealand. And as a result, we're moving Halepule out of New Zealand and we'll let you know our new location as soon as we're ready. Just because life doesn't turn out the way you had planned, it doesn't mean it's gone wrong. What if nothing ever goes wrong? What if it's just about your response to what's happening? How you respond to life has everything to do with the health of your mind. And that has everything to do with how you live your life. And that's the holistic nature of things, which is the key to true mental physical, and spiritual health. Today we'll talk about the foundations of mental health. In Ayurveda, we understand that illness and most disease begins in the mind. We also see the human being from a holistic perspective, meaning that the mind isn't separate from the body, nor from the spirit. When you think of one, you need to consider the others. Your mental health at any point in time is a result of the balance of the mahagunas present in your mind. The three mahagunas are the prime energies of life, and you can think of them as your mental qualities. They are tamas, darkness, dullness, and inertia. Rajas, activity, which leads to disturbance. And sattva, peace, balance, harmony, and the light of your consciousness. Good mental health isn't about trying to be 100% sattvic. In fact, that may well take you in the opposite direction. Having sattva predominant is a nice place to be a lot of the time, but all three energies are required in order to experience a healthy, balanced mind. You need tamas for sleep and rajas to be out in the world and sattva then to appreciate all of it. But when tamas and rajas take over the mind, that's when it becomes unreliable and our perception gets distorted. So the combined amounts of each of the mahagunas is what affects the choices we make and our ability to make beneficial decisions for our well-being. It's impacted by your constitution, or prakriti, your current imbalances, which is vikriti, and the condition of your agni. 
And because you're a holistic being, these things also affect your body and your ability to connect to yourself as eternal spirit. So what increases rajas and tamas and decreases your ability to increase sattva? The Ayurveda texts describe prajna parada, which is a voluntary ignoring or violation of natural action in, in relation to all of the activities of the body, the mind, and the spirit. In other words, we do things in excess, or we do them poorly, or there's some perversion in it. Prajnaparada, as it relates to the mind, is to ignore our consciousness and the ability to use our mind in a beneficial way. We're moving toward darkness. And this is a good way to think about it, as we often only think of it as going against the natural urges of the body. In fact, the texts go on to say it's best to go against the urges of the mind. So then how do you know when to listen to your mind? It probably tells you many different things. Well, the difference between hearing a soft voice and your mind demanding or screaming at you is significant on many levels. As we go through life ignoring our conscience and using the mind in poor, dark ways, we make choices that are harmful to the five senses and the sense organs. And this state feeds itself, as you may have recognized. It's called asatmya indriyarta samyog. The improper use, the excessive use, or overexposure of the five senses. For example, listening to violent or excessively loud music or exposing yourself regularly to negative discourse. Focusing on the news these days is a good example. Where you put your attention is where your energy goes and it will increase inside of you. Another one is a lack of exposure to beauty, nature, and the soft and sweet aspects of life. And that happens to many people who are living in urban environments. These are all significant factors in our mental health. It's pretty easy to see why so many people are feeling extremely mentally distressed these days because of how we spend time. In Ayurveda, we look at three aspects of the mind that relate to mental health. D, which is also buddhi, is the intellect. It's our ability to assess information. And driti is our willpower, the ability to make decisions. And smriti is the memory. When thoughts come into your mind, they first pass through the intellect, the willpower, and the memory. And then they become part of your psyche. Thoughts may bring up a memory that stimulates your intellectual interest, or they might become desires or decisions through your free will. The most important of these is the buddhi, or the intellect. When your ability to assess information is clear, you'll make wise decisions, you live consciously, and you have the opportunity to grow spiritually, to grow into yourself. 
which means to grow into living your, your truth, not someone else's. And from this, you'll have a healthy mind and body. So what does it mean to live consciously? Well, it can be as simple as recognizing that you need to take care of your own basic needs, that you need others in your life, and being present and conscious in your interactions with others. Being in a hurry or rushing doesn't allow for this. It may also mean being aware of how you can be helpful to others while you maintain your self-awareness. And what about growing spiritually? What does that mean? In some ways, it's the same thing as being conscious, being aware of yourself as part of a whole that involves divine intelligence. In Ayurveda, we talk of Purusha, the divine that's present in all of the universe and including within each of us. Consider that the more we allow our thinking and actions to be in alignment with this divine intelligence, the easier life is, and we transform and evolve into our desires. And this is rajas in action, moving towards sattva, peace. From the Bhagavad Gita, we understand that all living beings develop a particular faith according to their consciousness, whether we're aware of it or not. Each person is made of their faith, or shraddha in Sanskrit. It's the actions and attitudes that you employ in daily life. Developing awareness and the ability to be present is highly affected by the food we eat, the company we keep, the activities we participate in, and everything we expose our five senses to in our lives. And when this involves more sattva, we're able to go with the flow, to be in alignment with our spiritual self, with the purusha that's within us. Letting go of our attachments to having things just our way and seeing how the universe is offering us expanded opportunities. Perhaps this is growing spiritually. Faith is how and what we actually live. It's our demonstration in life, not necessarily the beliefs that we might state. Taking the approach of easy does it is a great way to remember that there is divine intelligence that's directing life, something way beyond our little mind. So we can say that faith is right action. And it's the foundation of mental health. Now, this all sounds great. So what happens when what we call mental illness shows up? In most cases, in modern medicine, we define mental illness when there's a diagnosis. And that typically comes from a problem with functioning in life. Things like substance abuse and addiction, anxiety and panic disorders, bipolar disorder, eating disorders, depression, or schizophrenia. Diagnoses are not permanent. They are not who we are. But they're often treated that way. And this is an extremely important point to become aware of if you desire healing any condition that you might be experiencing. 
So what are the normal interventions these days? Typically pharmaceuticals that interfere with the function of the nervous system and the mind. There's talk therapy that can be helpful for a bit, but it has its limitations in terms of long-term growth and transformation. There has been a recent scientific recognition of the connection between the health of the digestive tract and the functions of the mind. And it's great that people are becoming willing to recognize this connection. But it's mostly talked about in terms of the brain, not the mind. The more we can recognize there is no separation between the body and the mind, the easier it becomes to heal most, if not all, of our problems. I find that in consultations, most people are aware of what their problems are. Talk therapy is a very good one for that. But they don't have a solution or an understanding of how things could actually transform and move beyond the old problems. That their mind could evolve and change. With modern approaches, people keep repeating the story to themselves and outwardly, which has them become even more identified with the diagnosis as being themselves. Becoming identified with symptoms or a diagnosis and calling it my will ensure that it never leaves you. My headaches, my IBS, my depression. It's not going to go. You're not going to let go of it. The label feeds the problem and it won't go away. But all of it can transform. It can resolve and it can dissolve. I had a conversation this morning with a client who has incredibly transformed her life with Ayurveda and yoga in the past two years. And she had her thyroid removed a number of years ago and is on medication. She had many problems as a result of weak agni and excess pitta and vata doshas, as well as the effects from surgery and other treatments from the past. You know, surgeries have a big effect on vata as well as the body and nervous system in general. So many people these days have big experiences like that without regard to the effect it has on us afterwards. In my conversation with her, we talked about a conversation she'd had with a doctor who was trying to convince her to increase her medication because the test she had done was not quite right. And the reason was because the cancer might come back. I was really happy we were having the conversation in order to help her feel calmer. But it was so unfortunate to see the effect of what this doctor had said to her. She went from feeling really well, I had talked with her just a couple of weeks before, to being fearful, contracted, over something that was not happening. Something that another person said might happen. The most harmful thing we can do to ourselves is to worry, to project the mind into the future that we don't want. And that was the result. She felt completely deflated and disempowered. My reminder to her was that everything is always changing. Something that might show up as deficient today may not be tomorrow. And the most powerful factor affecting this is the state of her mind. And that is why we were having the conversation because her higher self knew that, but she was having a reaction. Additionally, it's not going to promote healing when we give away our power to another human being. 
we all have the ability to heal and we often utilize it whether we're aware of it or not. And we at Holly Pule aim to support you in recognizing that in your life. With Ayurveda and yoga, we take a different approach. We're holistic beings and everything we believe, think, and do has an effect on us on all levels. An effect on the mind and the body. We have so much depth, so much more than we realize. And that's why with Ayurveda and yoga, we remove the root cause. Prana, or life force, becomes blocked by imbalance in the system and also by our samskara, our past impressions that get awakened. Everything we do, we expose ourselves to and we participate in, has an effect on the ability to process out our old impressions or not. By removing the root cause, perhaps it would be our response to something that happened to us early in life, we open up a pathway for healing. We all have samskara, these impressions and memories that become habits of thinking. And we are all capable of processing out the charge on these old feelings so that they're not having a negative impact on our present life. But we do need to give ourselves the tools and the opportunities for healing and for growth. And this is what Ayurveda and yoga have to offer in terms of total health, including our mental health. And this is what we do at Halipule. We empower you to become your own healer. Take a look at your own Shraddha. Is it what you thought it was? Are you truly doing and behaving consistently with your beliefs, or is there something else going on? What steps can you take today to improve your self-awareness and your self-honesty? Choose one area and focus there persistently for one week and see what happens. You might like to work with the Sankalpa Mudra to set your intentions for your mental health for this year and for moving forward. While sitting, with this mudra, place the top of your left hand on the top of your right thigh. Then place your right palm on top and wrap the fingers around the sides of the hands. The right thumb wraps around the left thumb. Close your eyes. Take some relaxing breaths. Then say to yourself a clear, positive intention that you have for yourself this year. Sit still for a few minutes to allow that to fill you up, to fill your universe. Open your eyes and be in the joy of your day. One last thing before we go. If your relationship with food is a difficult one and you're seeking a path of recovery and true healing, we have a program coming out at the end of next month called Heal Your Relationship with Food. It's for those who experience disordered eating patterns like food obsession, emotional eating, restrictive eating, binging, purging, and constant dieting. 
It's a really profound 12-week online program designed to guide you to fully resolve issues related to eating, things that affect your ability to nourish yourself and to have self-love. And we do this through the practices of Ayurveda and yoga. Stay tuned to our Instagram, Facebook, and website for details. You can check us out at halipule.com, H-A-L-E-P-U-L-E.com. Until next time. In Ayurveda, we understand that we each have a unique constitution. Halipule's tridoshic approach is ideal for families and supports multiple constitutions. You can cultivate sattva in cooking, knowing that you're making meals that support everyone's constitution. Subtle adjustments may be required, but it doesn't need to be a stress point. To learn our tridoshic approach to create nourishing meals, Join Simple Ayurvedic Cooking with Halepule. Their recipes are easy, delicious, and will leave you feeling energized. And the link to join is in our show notes.